You're listening to episode 159 of Mid-America Reformed Seminary's Roundtable Podcast, a broadcast where the faculty of Mid-America discuss theology and cultural issues from a Reformed perspective. I'm Jared Luchibor, Director of Marketing. Thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, Reverend Andrew Compton joins Reverend Mark Vanderhart for a two-part series on wisdom and the Proverbs. Today, our Old Testament professors are going to give us a general introduction to this wisdom literature, commenting on the critical importance for why every Christian needs to pay special attention to this book of Scripture. Well, it's good to be back for another episode of Roundtable. I'm Andrew Compton. Associate Professor of Old Testament here at Mid-America Reformed Seminary, and I'm with my my colleague, the one uh, I consider myself the assistant of, Professor Mark Vanderhart, also Associate Professor of Old Testament. How are you doing, Mark? Doing very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us today, listeners, and also uh, Mark joining me uh, for a discussion of wisdom literature, but specifically Proverbs. Proverbs is, uh, of course, a well-loved book. Uh, it's a well-known book. Plenty of doilies and coffee mugs contain <laughs> snippets of the book of Proverbs. Um, but I think that commonness can almost make its uh, profundity overlooked at times. I mean, I, how I can I can go in, but what are, uh, I don't know if you have anything that comes to mind, uh, Mark, even how do people misread Proverbs, misunderstand Proverbs, or or maybe what is natural for us that we sort of want to make sure we uh, we keep in mind as we open these familiar 31 chapters. We often read Proverbs as sort of a biblical form of little aphorisms or sayings that we have in our own language. You know, a stitch in time saves nine, mm-hmm. or don't count your chickens before they're hatched. Little glimpses of wisdom that are reflections on how to live life in this world. And we think, well, all right, a number of those kinds of statements made their way into the Bible, and and uh, we often don't think of a larger scriptural or maybe theological framework for them. How do they fit in the big story, the big narrative of God's plan? And perhaps sometimes we read Proverbs as gluing together a command and then a promise at the end. I think a well-known proverb that does is often read this way is train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it and so people hear that as well here's the command train up a child in the way he should go and then the end result of that training is when he's old he will not depart from it right so a kind of um, well do your part as a parent and uh, then you'll raise the right kind of children but the statement, train up a child in the way he should go, is not, first of all, command with an end result. It's, it's wisdom. And another way to translate that verse might be, train up a child in the way he is bent, hmm. leaning, inclined, and then when he is older, uh, he will not depart from it. In other words, if you reinforce in a very strong and and focused way, the inclinations that are present in a child's life and heart and motives, then that becomes deeply ingrained in them. And now, that can be good things, but it could also be evil things. I don't know who the uh, tyrant was who said, give me your child until he is seven. 
and then I'll hand him back to you. <laughs> but I will have programmed him in the way I believe he should go. Somebody in the uh, Soviet Union, I'm sure. Um, probably. The old Soviet Union. <laughs> yeah, all dictators uh, love that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even that line, there's you you even alluded to the translation challenges. I mean, it's uh, we we add that language of the way they should go, uh, and and I don't know that that's a wrong implication. Although, woodenly, we would say train up the child um, according to his way. I'll pee, Darko, you know, on the or on the face of his way, you know, um, and, and uh, of course, it's reasonable to see his way as as a way that is proper for him. But still, it's a, it's a challenging challenging verse. And, and it is that very proverb I've met people for whom uh, Proverbs has become a very trying book for them because they have children who have abandoned the faith. And they, they, and they initially then are saying, I must have done something wrong because of this proverb. You know, I didn't do enough. This is my fault. God's punishing me. Look, certainly there's, there's plenty of things that we do wrong with our kids. And, um, and in some cases, there are people who have failed to train up their children. But that's not always the case. I mean, the curse is much more subtle than that. In fact, I think that's what makes this whole discussion uh, very interesting is and very valuable for our listeners is that Proverbs is one of these books that I, I think we should just spend a lot of time in because if, if there's any time when we need wisdom, 2022 is that time. Of course, we probably would be saying that every year since Proverbs was written as well. This is the year we need wisdom. Uh, you can imagine New Year's Eve back in ancient Judah and people, uh, you know, people about to blow their little horns and their their uh, their resolution is that they they want another year of wisdom. <laughs> Here's where I think reading Proverbs, along with the other uh, so-called wisdom books of the Old Testament, is very very important. Proverbs, as a rule, is sort of a here's the cause, here's the effect. Mm. And in that way is, shall we say, optimistic. Uh, You do the right thing and you'll have a right uh, outcome. Uh, But the other wisdom books, I'm thinking of Ecclesiastes or Job, are ready to say, yes, okay, there is that simple Deuteronomy formula, Mm-hmm. You do what is right, and you get a blessing. You do what is wrong, and here comes a curse. But Job and Ecclesiastes say, yes, but there are these exceptions right. in life. The righteous man sometimes has his whole life collapse. Uh, or Ecclesiastes, you can seek satisfaction here or there, eating and drinking, or in wisdom, or in this or that, and in the end, None of that really satisfies. Uh, and so, Vanity of vanities. Vanity of vanities. Hell all is vanity. And so the, the wisdom literature of the Bible has to be taken as a whole because if you focus on only one of those books, you might get a distorted picture of what wisdom is. Well, one thing I think is interesting is how critics approach all, all the wisdom books and, um, and they would argue, well, Proverbs is very naive. Proverbs is the simplistic wisdom book, and um, and Job comes along and questions that simplicity, and then Ecclesiastes comes along and just outright contradicts it and chucks the the simplicity altogether. But what I um, what I have found even in my own reading is that Proverbs doesn't strike me as being so naive in itself. Proverbs is not uh, presenting its wisdom in some sort of vacuum 
that has no sense of of things that that mess the world up. I I really think Proverbs is aware of the curse, and and it makes it clear in a number of different ways. I mean, on on the one hand, um, Proverbs does have a very strong creation theology. There's um you know the the language of um well I mean you can think of Proverbs three nineteen. God creates by wisdom. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. Or Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Um, you know, Proverbs 8, verses 22 to 31, will go on an extended poem of God's use of wisdom in creation, one that, unfortunately, Arius uh, misinterpreted, but that'll take us a bit far afield. But but that fits also into the language of Exodus 31 in building the tabernacle with the artisans who built the tabernacle and its furnishings did so bahokma, by wisdom. And so it, it's uh, it, there is a creation theology of how wisdom is something that God has used in forming the world, that humans emulate in their own, uh, at their own creaturely level of, of creating and making uh, they, they, in that sense, they analog, analog, <laughs> analog God. Is that the right? By analogy, his, uh, you know, his creating work in our own work of dominion, and yet it's not simplistic because, even so, Proverbs shows that things aren't quite functioning like they were intended to. Uh, and, and one classic example are these better than Proverbs, right? Proverbs fifteen sixteen. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord then great treasure and trouble with it. Wait a minute. You mean to say this naive book actually envisions that somebody might have the fear of the Lord and only have a little? And that uh, somebody might have trouble with great treasure? I mean, all, all of a sudden, Proverbs doesn't sound quite as naive as some would indicate. Or, or even Proverbs 16, verse 8, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. What? Somebody who's in unjust can have great revenues? Well, again, Proverbs is aware that that something is wrong. And so it, it, we still have a very, I think, unified presentation of wisdom, a very measured and, and realistic version of wisdom that we find even in the book. Along those lines, the comparison or the uh, study of the law, the Torah, commandments and uh, ordinances, and then wisdom sayings uh, yields an interesting understanding because Wisdom is where you live in this actual world. Mm. Commandments point out how life should be. And so the person who is versed in the law, but has his feet on the ground mm -hmm. and doesn't, you know, think in the clouds, but knows how life works, is the truly wise person, mm. the truly wise man, the, the, the wise son. And... Uh, all of the Proverbs probably have implicit in them an explicit commandment. But remember, wisdom is not Torah. It's not law as such. It's not a commandment that comes outside of us and says, this is the way you should live, this is the way you should not live. But the person who has his feet on the ground knows the Torah, but also knows simple things. If you wring the nose, you bring forth blood. <laughs> Okay, that's, there's no commandment in there, but the wise person realizing this is how the creation works. This mm -hmm. is how creation is put together. 
will therefore live in accordance with both creation and the direction that God prescribes in his laws. Yeah, it is It is good to distinguish between uh, the law and wisdom. I think they are related, and sometimes we lose sight of that, because, uh, again, the, the expression, the fear of the Lord, is very much a Deuteronomic one. Mm-hmm. But, um, but at the same time, and, and I don't know, maybe it's a bit simplistic, but I've heard some describe the law as the broadside, you know, a ship of the line, the broadside of the law, uh, coming from HMS Victory, vis-a-vis the more subtle uh, contemplative techniques of wisdom. Uh, now, you know, there's some pros and cons to any any illustration you use, but it is interesting how Israel in Deuteronomy 4 is called to keep God's statutes and laws, and this will be their wisdom in the sight of the nation. So there, there's this relationship between the two, uh, and yet at the same time, well, I mean, we 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 shouldn't be just treating the law in very simplistic kinds of ways either. Uh, but but there's very much a recognition that wisdom is very very subtle. It's skill. I mean, that's what chokma is. It's a it's a skill, a discernment, an ability, like you say, to to live with the grain, uh, the grain of creation, to work with the flow of it. And I think that even even helps us think about cultivating a wise life because it is not merely that we're trying to implement skill and excellence and wisdom in our lives for the here and now, but in order to live with the grain of the cosmos, because that is ultimately what we long for is that renewal of all things. There is almost here too a latent eschatology in Proverbs. This is not just behaviorism that that enables somebody to get a leg up uh, in the here and now, but it's part of a character formation that in some ways is very much conformity unto the wise one himself, Jesus Christ. That's uh, what distinguishes the two students in the schoolroom of the Proverbs. Mm. You have my son and you have the fool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Both of them are being appealed to, to learn. Mm-hmm. to learn the ways of wisdom. But what separates the son from the fool is that the fool never learns. Yeah. That's why he's a fool. He's just utterly devoid of understanding. And there's so little you can do with the fool, but my son is the one uninstructed, but is addressed and called, okay, listen to me, learn the ways, and in that way uh, become the pride of your father and the pride of your mother. As you learn God's ways from the Torah, but also how God's ways are fleshed out in day-to-day living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this amazing merging of this almost domestic scene in Proverbs. The, the mom and dad with, with Junior on the couch, don't go with the, don't go with the gang, chapter one. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's my cheeky uh, message-esque translation of it. You, my, our listeners can't see, but... Professor Vanderhart is looking at me with a puzzled expression. <laughs> but there's this domestic quality, the father and the mother teaching the son. And then yet, yet, even later in chapter 1 and then going to chapter 9, wisdom suddenly takes on a prophetic booming voice as well. Uh, and, and I think that's valuable even as we, as something we'll pick up in our next episode, is that uh, wisdom does have great weight to it. And in fact, uh, failure to be wise doesn't simply cause us some difficulty, but actually 
has eternal consequences, showing that we are in need of an ultimate, consummate wise one who will save us from our folly. As Reformed Christians, we believe that all of Scripture points to and is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Tune in next time to see how Reverend Compton and Reverend Vanderhart flush that out for us regarding wisdom literature, specifically the book of Proverbs. For more podcast episodes, you can find us on our website at midamerica.edu slash podcasts and wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Be sure to search for and subscribe to Mid-America Reformed Seminaries Roundtable. I'm Jared Luchibor. Till next time.